It's interesting. The system claims to be able to distinguish between porn and non-porn images. <laughs> right. I had a professor who said that anything that was longer than it was wide was a phallic symbol. So, <laughs> you know, just saying. I was like a toaster? Um, Smashing Security, Episode 291, Deepfake Dangers, AI Image Opt-Out, and Controlling Your Urges, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 291. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And Carol, who have we got in the hot seat joining us this week? Well, it is the uh, sometimes wonderful <laughs> Tom Langford from Host Unknown. Welcome, Tom. Sometimes. So, well, at best I'm, I'm wonderful today, then. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> How are you doing, Tom? I'm very good. It's always a pleasure to be here, I have to say. You've been a busy boy, though. No, I know. I know. It's uh, We've been all over the place. And it's, yeah, just... Busy, busy, busy. What can I say? I was, I was photographing a wedding just the other week, actually. There you go. You see, multi-talented. Well, you know, something like that. <laughs> well, one talent, at least. Yeah, that's right. Let's not waste busy Tom's time here, and let's kick off and thank this week's sponsors, Bitwarden, Collide, and Cybersecurity Inside Podcast. It's their support that helped us give you this show for free. Now, coming up in today's show, Graham, what do you got? Oh, I'm going to be telling you how technology can help you get over your filthy little habit. Oh, God. Why would I want to get over that? It's too early for this. Tom, what about you? I'm going to be talking about how the internet really doesn't forget, even when it shouldn't have remembered in the first place. (laughs) Intriguing. And I'm talking a deep fakes, Clint Eastwood's diary, the good, the bad and the ugly. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, I've got a a, a question for you, which is this. Do you have a porn problem? (laughs) Tom, I'm looking at you principally. Um, I wouldn't call it a problem, more a hobby. (laughs) Pastime. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Well, some people think that they they do have a problem. Maybe they think they spend too much time bashing the bishop, Mm -hmm. polishing the lighthouse, pulling the pud, tallywhacking. Have you got any favourite phrases you like to use, Tom? Spanking the monkey. We've been right. recording for not even three minutes. <laughs> well, three I minutes. want to. I know this is a serious point. I've been reading Wired magazine, and they have investigated um, something called accountability apps. And I want to talk to you about today. They tell the story of a chap called Hao Wei Lin, who was attending an evangelical Baptist church in the deep U.S. South, and okay. he had a problem. He had a problem. Uh, which was that he was going to regular weekly one-on-one sessions with the church leader right. uh, to see how his faith was going. His particular concern was that he was gay, and he thought that he might get kicked out of the church. Right. And he was reassured, this is this is a happy ending, if you like, he was reassured <laughs> to be told that God still loved him in spite of his, quote, struggle with same-sex attraction. Um, and this and is what the that, church leaders told them. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And that right, they right. would welcome they they would welcome him into the group, which is okay, a fab. marvelous thing. Good. Yeah. Good times, right? But of course, God alone can't fix the quote problem uh, of being gay. Um, 
And so at the next one-on-one, at his next session with the church leader, not that kind of session, um, Hao Wei Lin was told to install an app on his smartphone. So the church leader says, sir, so remember what we were talking about last week? I think you should install this app here. Not, not Pornhub or Grindr uh, wasn't the app that he's been told to install. He was being told to install an app called Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is an app which monitors everything that users see and do on their smart devices. Whoa, okay, no, no, no. What do you mean everything the user sees? It's not like a Google Glass. Well, (laughs) no, it's not plugged into your spectacles. It's plugged into something else. It takes screenshots at least one per minute of your activity. At least one per minute? Yes, yes. You couldn't even get through to lunchtime without your battery dying, surely? (laughs) Well, it is apparently doing that. And then if you look at anything that the app considers questionable, it sends a report to the person that you have identified as your ally, your assistant. Oh, my God. This is not bossware. This is Godware, Tiana right, Baldario. Well, well, well <laughs> before you can start claiming the trademark, there is already an app. So these apps are already, they've got names. They can either be called shameware. Oh, my gosh. Or accountability. <laughs> shameware? Shameware. That's right. The idea is that if you share with maybe a close friend, an ally, details as to your porn habit or details as to how often you're 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 looking up rude things on the internet then that may encourage you to do it less and the concern here is that this church is telling its congregation to install these apps and this is being reported to someone who's your spiritual elder let me let me just put this in a different context Mm. imagine Mm. this was um a cupcake app right? Yes. So, and every time you eat a cupcake, it starts yelling at you, going, you disgusting, cake-eating, disgusting, yes. fatty, yeah. fat, fat, bleh, yes. bleh, right? And that's and that's supposed to be, and as I cry, sobbing, stuffing icing yeah. into my face. Yeah. I saw you with that lemon drizzle. I <laughs> know what was going on there. You harlot! <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is that after an evening's porn perusal, the Covenant Eyes app tells your friend what you've been up to. So it gives them a full report of where you've been, what you've searched for. One of your buddies, right? Crow, you're my bud bud, right? Right. So you would get a report from me as to where I've been on the internet, what well, I've what been searching. What if I don't want what, that? Well, 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 no, because you've, you've, you've agreed to do this because you're my bud bud. You're helping me with my problem. Oh, yeah. right. I'm, I'm like your, your mentor, your guiding light yeah. to salvation. You're someone I trust. Right. And you will receive blurred screenshots of whatever I've been looking at. And you can then call me up and say, hey, hey, how's it going? How's it, how are you doing this morning? Hey, everything all right over there? You have a good evening? Can you send me the picture with it not blurred? <laughs> well, sometimes the blurring isn't obvious, is it? I don't know if it isn't always easy to make out what's going on. I remember, Kroll, long, long ago when we worked at S***, we did a press release about a piece of malware called Bad Bunny. <laughs> Bad Bunny. Yes, I remember Bad yes. Bunny. We talked about this before. Have we? Well, yes. some listeners may not know about Bad I know. Bunny. But so maybe maybe they would shouldn't. You, would you like to describe the Bad Bunny malware? No, no not at all. No, 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 no. no so no, no. Bad Bunny was a piece of malware which displayed an image, didn't it? An image as a payload. Yeah, as a payload of um, two people leapfrogging, but the person <laughs> behind missed. 
<laughs> no, the person behind was dressed up in a full-size bunny rabbit outfit. Oh, cute. And yeah. Yeah, it was very cute. It was very cute. There was nothing rude about it at all. It was all in the mind of the, the person watching, um, thinking that Easter was coming. Uh, so it wasn't it wasn't anything like that. But we we pixelated out the eyes, didn't we, of the bunny? That was the thing. <laughs> well, the, and and the uh, human involved, the recipient, <laughs> and, and the recipient as well. That's right. Yes. So I'm just saying that sometimes you know the blurred image, you can still get the gist of what's Grim, you know, going on. You're getting mm. lewdy, lewd, lewd. Oh, just... look, I'm sorry. It's just because Tom was coming on the it's show. It's what's in the news. Let's face it. We, we, we yeah. are merely holding a mirror up to society. Can I say, I think I've done very well not reporting at all on the chess scandal, which is going on for the last few weeks. I'm surprised you haven't, actually. But I, I thought that would be right up your street or passage or whatever you like I to call it. I haven't given it a, a moment's thought. I didn't even Have know about not? it. <laughs> well, you're missing out on a lot of good gossip. But anyway, it's great. Um, <laughs> but anyway, anyway. Makes me want to learn Morse code. So anyway, Covenant Eyes, this app. Tells your friends uh, what you've been up to, gives them a, this report, and um, covenant eyes. And so, it's and just so horrific. Even the name of it—it's awful. Well, well, I went to check out the website of Covenant Eyes. Turns out, around about one and a half million people have installed it. They've got this really professional uh, promotional video containing a sort of cut price Poundland Tom Cruise, who's oh. describing his porn habit and his cutesy wife. And how their marriage has improved since he installed this, and he's still he's regularly shamed into not doing anything sexual. <laughs> I, either that, or his wife now finally gets to see what he was looking at. <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah. so, <laughs> every night, yeah, she gets a little report. Oh, okay, that's all right. Let's try that one. The, the reason why these apps apparently appeal to people is why would anyone want to watch porn if they're going to have to talk to their parents or their church leader about it? Isn't it rule thirty four of the internet? Oh, I don't. Well, what? Maybe some people enjoy that. Well, oh. well, yeah, I know a few people who would probably watch more of it if they knew someone was watching them watch it. Well, well, Tom, interesting you should say that because I had you in mind. Oh. You can subscribe. <laughs> you can say, I know someone. I have a friend who. <laughs> you can subscribe for $16.99 per month. There is a 30-day money-back guarantee. You don't get any data back, though. <laughs> well, 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 this is the thing. I don't know. If you were to send an enormous amount of data, which I imagine you might, Tom, maybe <laughs> yep. there should be a, a platinum plan or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's also interesting is how they would, uh, like, would they pixelate images? Is that is that like they wouldn't yes, want to? Yes, they they blur out images. They do blur out images, so it's not. So a way they of might get them. it wrong, right? Like Tom might be looking at just a, a huge donut, for example, and it misconstrues that chocolate for... donut. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, the app it's not spyware. I don't think it's really spyware. It isn't secretly Godware, spyware. TM Qualteria. It's 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 quite brazen about admitting what it's aiming to do and to help people with their porn addiction. I do so, have a serious question. Yes, go ahead. So, at some point, the images are captured and then blurred. Yes, yes. Where is that stored? Is there an unblurred version? Is that copyright? Um, I could be looking at pictures of. Uh, I don't know, mm. past girlfriend, past partners, etc. Oh, yeah, that's possible, yeah. Um, so where and how is this data being secured? Is it obfuscated permanently? Is it reversible? So is there effectively now a, another storage area 
of pornography that could be used for nefarious purposes. So it's interesting. The system claims to be able to distinguish between porn and non-porn images. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I had a professor who said that anything that was longer than it was wide was a phallic symbol. So, (laughs) you know, just saying. I was like a toaster? Um, (laughs) Fridge. Anyway, so the images are uploaded to a server under the control of Covenant Eyes, and it claims that the images are blurred. Now, according to Wired's investigation, it says that when it set itself up as a user, it received slightly blurred images um so what slightly i love how vague this is (laughs) do you know slightly blurred is not always good Uh, there's a coffee shop i go to and across the road Mm. i think someone has like basically their loo right in front of the window with some very ineffective plastic opaque coating oh (laughs) so so you can make out the general yeah. When when they're you know when they're finished and stuff and yanking up their trousers, yes. So let me tell you about some other <laughs> accountability or shameware apps. There's one called Fortify, and what you can do with this, you can log information about when you last masturbated, where you were when it happened, and this one was the one which intrigued me. What device you used? <laughs> I mean, I would device i was entirely manual today i'm with tom i think people must be you know installing this because they want to i just wonder what the app creators collect as well ah, right? yeah yes. yeah exactly yeah. exactly well in the case of fortify it asks you how challenging your urges were during the day so you can choose from a sliding scale from very easy to very difficult with different smiley faces are you kidding me <laughs> They should have, like, a vinegar strokes face, surely. There's also... I don't even know what that means. There's also... He's younger than me. I have no idea what it means. It's not about youth, dude. I'll tell you later. (laughs) Please don't. There's also... It gives you trophies and rewards and allows you to, quote, celebrate your victories. Now, what form the celebration takes if you've you've had, like, a one-week streak of not stroking? I don't know. (laughs) There's even in this Fortify app an SOS button. So I imagine. (laughs) (laughs) This is just fun. Wouldn't you do this with your partner? You could do this if you were living long distance, right? You could have this little relationship thing and they're like, oh, oh. What does SOS stand for? Is it save our spurt? Oh, my God. Stop our spaffing. Anyway, so. uh, So, anyway. So Wired looked into this Fortify app as well, and they found that the form you use to log your masturbation stats with Fortify, it unfortunately has a Facebook tracking pixel on it. Oh, my God. What? Explain that to me. Oh, my God. What that means is that Facebook is able to track you as an individual and how often you go to Fortify and potentially what you might be entering on it. Uh, what could possibly go wrong with Facebook? Changing your ads. <laughs> Facebook, knowing how often you're wanking off. But there's another problem. It turned out... Do you why... need more disinfectant wipes? <laughs> Easy access underwear. <laughs> Kleenex man-sized tissues. Snap-on, snap-off trousers. It turned out there's a bug in Fortify, which means it also passes your... Account password, Shut your Fortify up. account password in plain text no! to no! Facebook as well. 
Queen, why did you go first this week? You could have just invited me to, to do my story first. How is anyone so, supposed to follow this? So, so there's a pro- I think there's a problem with these kind of apps. Do you? That's, yes. Hugh, you are, you know, as an expert, I, I, I'm listening very carefully. Okay, so you think this isn't very good. So I think it's your choice whether you want to install an app like this and get your mate, get your bud bud like Carole. <laughs> <laughs> to call you up in the morning and say, hey, uh, what did you get up to last night? As if I don't know. Um, but there's... I've got this detailed report. <laughs> From your bloodshot eyes and the uh, the burst blood vessels in your cheeks. There's <laughs> definitely your hairier palms. It's definitely a problem if churches are telling their congregations, or indeed, you know, religious cults, anyone who's sort of yeah. in a spiritual position, because apparently hundreds of people at this particular church have installed the app. And get this. If you volunteer for the church, it is mandatory. You have to agree to install the app before you're allowed to work for the church or do any voluntary work for them. The thing is, Graham, I, I think you're not thinking about this as a religious person. Oh, okay. So if you were Catholic, for instance, couldn't this yeah. app save you a lot of time at the confession? <laughs> I'll airdrop you my sins. Right, this apparently, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this comes up in the Wired article. Does it? it? They say that the church elders, they like it. It, gives of course. Them, it makes it much easier to know what to talk about. Exactly. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to pussyfoot around. <laughs> so there's huge amounts to laugh at here and there's huge amounts to ridicule here because the, the, the apps, the I haven't apps even started great. yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But Carol, I think you were hinting at a very valid point. You know, any kind of addiction is going to be destructive. You know, anything in yeah. in in in, um, in excess. Yeah, anything in excess is going to be damaging. You know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Binging on podcasts, cheese yes, sandwiches, exactly. whatever it might be. Exactly. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you know, people do need help and all that sort of thing. The problem is, is when that help is yeah. not entirely focused on the individual and has ulterior motives yes or broad frameworks or facilities in which it operates it and that's what i think we have here is for churches it's about control and from an app perspective they're obviously very poorly built you know sending passwords in plain text so it's it's it is actually very troubling what about curvy vickers Right. Well, yes, and 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 if you think about certain religious <laughs> Scientology, if you think about particular yep. groups where they've collected information about their members in the yeah, past, yeah, and, and they use it as blackmail, yeah, very troubling on on many counts, preying on people when they are at their lowest and potentially seeking help. Now, I've probably gone on too long about this already, um, but I just want to mention one thing from the security point of view, which it was doing, which is that. The latest is following the Wired report, Google has removed Covenant Eyes from the Android App Store because it was apparently exploiting Android's accessibility features in order to see what was going on the screen. So these were features which are built into the operating system to help people with poor eyesight, for instance, screen reading, those sort of things. So there's a certain irony here that features which are normally used legitimately for helping someone with poor eyesight are now being abused by someone maybe who's ended up with poor eyesight because of their wanking problem, basically. So it's it's essentially the same thing. It's still on iOS. I'm sorry, there's somebody come to my door. (laughs) Professional. (laughs) Amazon delivery. That was typical. Right, 
Is it the Kleenex from Facebook that's just arrived? (laughs) Tom, what have you got for us this week? Well, uh, a little bit more serious, although it does still cover uh, pornography because, well, like I said, it's a hobby. What is going on this week? No, 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 no. You know, I'm, I'm taking a very serious and sober view of this. So we all know that AI is a big thing now. Certainly hit the media recently about these AI image generating tools it's like Dali and Stable mm-hmm. Diffusion. In fact, you were talking about it uh, fairly recently. Yeah. You? you type in something and it up comes your name. Yeah. And they're powered by massive, massive data sets of images that are scraped from the internet. So, you know, you set your, your little algorithm off for your AI. It scripts up every image it can and every bit of context it can about that image so that when you type in something like, I don't know, Tom doing a podcast, it actually pulls something together that actually vaguely resembles Tom doing a podcast or whatever that might be. Uh, according to the yeah. data sets. Up comes an image of a dumpster fire. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. I've heard your podcast, Tom. Yeah. yeah. Floating down a river. Yeah. <laughs> um, the problem is, is what if one of those images is of you? There's actually no easy way for you to opt your image out from these AI data sets that are being used. So what you're saying is that the images are scraped from the internet and you haven't been asked permission for that. Yes. Right. To be used for potentially commercial purposes. So this is actually from a Vice.com article. Mm. It talks about how in one example, sensitive images can even end up powering these AI tools. So for instance, there was one individual, she had a photograph taken of her, uh, a particularly you know sensitive image taken of her by her medical practitioner for the purposes of a uh, procedure that she was undergoing. Right. And this image that was, you know, guaranteed yeah. to be only used for purposes of the procedure and would not be shared yeah. elsewhere was found in the data set belonging to uh, an AI company called Leon, Lion, L-A-I-O-N, um, which it used to train the stable diffusion and Google's imaging. So you've got a company that builds huge data sets, and those data sets are then shared with various other AI companies that allow them to then generate but, but, their images. But surely that sounds like a surgeon or a doctor has been careless with the privacy of her photograph because they should have careless. Did they post it up on the internet somewhere and leave it publicly accessible? Well, well exactly. This is where it gets very, very difficult. For instance, um, because actually the traceability of that is mm. very, very difficult because oh, yeah. companies are buying large data sets of images not knowing their provenance effectively. And they could have been stolen. They could have been illegally obtained one way or the other and made available. And nobody is actually claiming any kind of responsibility for this as a result. Mm. So you could imagine, for example, if you were like, I don't know, like, say a plastic surgeon and you had all these close-up images of mm. body parts... It's basically pseudo-anonymized or basically anonymized because you don't have headshots that go along with it. So do you care? Well, unless there is a headshot, right? 
you don't know. But yeah, yeah, you don't know exactly. But I guess if it if you're not recognizable, do you care? And I think the answer is yes, because we have no idea how much of this information will be used in the future. Or if you're not recognizable in that particular crop of that picture, but there is a larger image of you that is that is identifiable. But there's other elements to this as well. So motherboards who are doing the the research into this yeah. has also found that some of the worst images that have ever been posted online are also included in the data set, including ISIS executing people, uh, real oh news goodness. that were hacked from celebrities' phones, all that sort of stuff. So stuff that was very clearly yeah. illegal or grossly offensive that have no place on the internet as such or, or in, in the public domain are being used to train these these AIs. Is that because it's just being scraped in, like without any regard to yeah. what is in, in the content? I think that's exactly it. But, the, and companies are probably saying, you know, hey, we're just, we're just gathering what's out. But there's yeah. no accountability for the content yeah. as a result. You know, there is a, a, a moral imperative here. So, you know, uh, lay on site doesn't even go into detail about the, uh, you know, the not safe for work and violent images that appear in the data set. It does say that uh, it does not contain images that may be disturbing to viewers, which is untrue, but links in the data set can lead to images that are disturbing or com discomforting, depending on the filter or search method employed. The FAQ mm. goes on to say, we cannot act on data that are not under our control, for example, past releases that circulate via torrents. This sentence could potentially applied to something such as Scarlett Johansson's leaked nudes, which um, already existed in the internet. And basically, it relinquishes control from the data set creators. Hmm. So are Lion making money out of these? They're scraping this well, data. They've, there's got to be some this. money being made. I think yeah. they're scraping the data and they're providing those data sets to yeah. companies like Google, etc. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You'd expect Google to kind of actually look at this and go, whoa. Right? Let's Would clean you? up this data set. What? Do no evil Google. Sure. I'm calling on them right now. On a very, very influential show. It sounds like Google's thing entirely. It's <laughs> the way they've always operated, isn't it? They just scoop up whatever they like. So, so and this the, the, the article goes on and talks about how responsibility has to be on the part of the developers of the AI and the machine learning tools and on the people who are actually creating these data sets. Um it shouldn't be on the individual whose photos are there. No. Yeah. It should be on the companies that are basically scraping the data, making money. They need to make sure that, that the data they're gathering is valid, is legal, etc. Ethical. Ethical, absolutely. Of course, they but they're, won't. But no, they're never going to do that. They're never going to do that unless someone comes at them with a great big cricket bat. Yeah, or a regulation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the best way to police this or to, to make this happen is to put the responsibility on the people who are actually using these images. And and the, the article goes on to quote somebody who's saying that algorithmic destruction is, I think, an actual deterrent because that's going to cost money and time. Surely they've got a backup, haven't they? You would like to think so. Someone erases the, some code. <laughs> 
<laughs> there is, however, a a uh, a little ray of hope for us. So, oh yes, um, an artist and musician, Holly Herndon, has created a website that makes it easy for people to search if their images have been used to trade AI. And this uh, oh, okay. this website is called Have I Been Trained? The links in the show notes. Very simple. You type in words, your name. You can upload a photo, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I gave it a try. I uploaded one of my uh, sort of publicity photos and mm. found there's an awful lot of bald, bearded <laughs> white men out in the world, is all I can say, who all look very, very similar to me. They, um, they, could, be, they could be the stunt double in Host Unknown, the movie, couldn't they? Do you know they what? Could, they could. Fact, they, no. <laughs> <laughs> if someone demanded a body double for you in a sex scene, if someone, was in a, if someone was filming a sex scene with you and didn't want it to be you, obviously, Tom, they could ask for one they of these people They couldn't afford my instead. money maker. No. <laughs> Oh my! Now I've I've had a go at have I been trained? I, I haven't uploaded a photograph, but I entered my name. Yeah, to see what would happen. I entered your name as well. <laughs> oh, oh, did you? <laughs> now, I don't think they look particularly like me. There's one who looks like a jockey. One, who, a couple who look like a murderer. Yeah, I had a whole bunch that looked very odd. I have to say when yeah. I put my name in. <laughs> they so, all look yeah. vaguely. They all have very crazy eyebrows, though, Grim. <laughs> <laughs> the AI algorithm starts with the eyebrows and works out from there. <laughs> Carol, what have you got for us this week? Okay, so meet Patrick Hillman. He is the chief communication officer at Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange, with 25 billion in volume, says CSO Online in an article about two oh, days yeah. ago. And he starts his day as any other, you know, butt scratch, five-mile run, a kale and goji berry smoothie, and a scroll through the daily deluge of email. He's not running the Fortify app, clearly, or Covenant Eyes. <laughs> I made three of those things up. So, so there he is reviewing his email. And he spots messages from clients about a recent video call with investors. And there are like six of these emails. And one of them says, thanks for the investment opportunity. Another one says, I have some concerns about your investment advice. And another one complains that the video quality wasn't very good. And one even asks outright, can you confirm the Zoom call we had on Thursday was you? No way. Way, way. So according to CSO Online, this is where Patrick Hillman has got that sinking feeling in his stomach yeah. that someone had deep faked his image and voice well enough to hold a 20-minute investment Zoom call trying to convince his company's clients to turn over their Bitcoin for a scammy investment. It's happened. It's happened. Right? So he says, quote, the client I was able to connect with shared with me links to faked LinkedIn and Telegram profiles claiming to be me, inviting them to various meetings to talk about uh, you know, different listing opportunities. Then the criminals used a convincing-looking holograph of me in Zoom calls to try and scam several reps of legitimate cryptocurrency projects. Holograph. Is this guy a fan of Star Trek Next Generation? <laughs> what? Now, there's a few different approaches, right, uh, on how deepfakes are created. But many deepfakes use generative adversarial networks, okay, or GANs, G-A-N-S. I don't know how you say the, the acronym. 
But this is basically where two machine learning modules duke it out, right? One machine learning model trains on a data set and then creates a video forgery, while the other attempts to detect the forgery. And the forger creates fakes until the other machine learning model can't detect it. Okay, yeah. Right? And so, of course, the larger set of training data, the easier it is for the forger to create a believable deepfake. Mm -hmm. And this is a massive challenge, says Eric Horvitz of Microsoft. This is in a brand new paper on the subject, link in the show notes. So over time, the generator learns to fool the detector. And with this process, he says, at the foundation of deepfakes, neither pattern recognition techniques nor humans will be able to reliably recognize deepfakes. So, thoughts? Well, I'm very happy to be corrected uh, if I'm wrong, but this is the first time I've, I've heard of a video deepfake being used to run a con you know, in in reality, I don't know. There in, has in, there was a big one, um, a bank was it in Austria, Graham? Um, where they that was a voice one, though, no, wasn't no video, it? and the, the, oh. oh, actually, no, they weren't using a sorry, a quote holograph. They the guy was masked, <laughs> actually. That's right. Oh, the one in so the old school. Yeah, think? there was there was one involving <laughs> the French defense minister. They they That's created right. a set to make it look like it was inside the French. Uh, but it was a, an actual physical mask. Wasn't yeah, it was it? a physical mask. That's yeah, right. it was like it was like it was like um, yeah. uh, Mission Impossible style, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this, I think, is the first time that I've I've heard of this actually being used in, in, in the wild, as it were. Because mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, end of twenty twenty, you know, when uh, this you get those things of what predictions have you got for the next year? Yeah. And so I said back then that video dictate would be used for you know running a con. And of course, yeah. 2021 went through and it didn't happen. But now it has. It's well done, a little Tom. bit behind. You're a soothsayer, Tom. We'll uh, ask, it's something like we'll that. We'll ask you for the lottery numbers later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they won't be right for this Wednesday, but maybe for about seven Wednesdays in advance. So it, <laughs> it's not that this it's not that this chap from this from Binance actually, you know, went out a bit, had a few lagers, got a bit crazy, went on Zoom, gave him some bad financial advice. <laughs> Do you know what? That's right. That was my initial thought. He went. He went on a went on a bender, got some gear up his up his hooter, and he was off. You know. <laughs> Although I suspect this argument will be used in the very near future when right. someone does something fucking yeah. stupid yeah. online, right? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't me. It was a deep fake. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you were in my office. <laughs> that, that'd be Shaggy's next song. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was a deep fake. <laughs> <laughs> now. Obviously, or maybe not obviously, but obviously to me, because I'm very, very smart. No, no, but obviously <laughs> audio deep fakes would be uh, easier to fake, wouldn't they? Yes. Because yes. you only have the audio to worry about not having to match up the video as well and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, so it could be fairly easy for me to, you know, someone like Graham, right? You're a podcaster or Tom, and I could get so much audio from you that I could probably get some audio deep fake to convincingly have you sing I'm a little teacup short instead. Yeah. yeah. So the idea is like, how would we be able to tell? Yeah. I was just on the MIT deep fake site because they have a few tests there and link in the show notes again. And I was feeling quite smug because I was like, oh, of course, that's not Trump. And oh, I can see that. No, 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 no. But I got screwed on one. Like I oh. literally. Yeah. So so I was thinking about this. But according to the conversation, researchers at the University of Florida developed a technique that measures the acoustic and fluid dynamic differences. I know it sounds complicated. 
but between voice samples created organically by human speakers and those generated synthetically yes. by computers. Yes, that's going to be my suggestion of how to tackle the problem. Yes, it seems fairly straightforward. <laughs> Fluid dynamics, something, something. Yeah, yes. differences. Okay, so so this group hypothesized that deepfake audio samples would not be constrained by the same anatomical limitations that us humans have. And if machines could detect that difference, could that not be very helpful in detecting fake messages or fake you know, voice alerts? And they were right. The testing uh, results not only confirmed their hypothesis, but revealed something super interesting. It was common for deepfake audio to result in vocal tracks with the same relative diameter and consistency as a drinking straw in contrast to human vocal tracks. So they were much more limited and not as variable in shape. Oh, okay. Right? So by estimating the anatomy responsible for creating the observed speech, their findings suggest that it's very possible to identify whether the audio was generated by a person or a computer. That's interesting. So at the the, moment. Yes, quite, (laughs) exactly, because it could be introduced later. So, for instance, if I understand correctly, a very simple characteristic would be, here I am speaking quite closely to the microphone. Right. And if mm-hmm. I spoke like this the entire time, that would be unusual. But maybe in a normal human conversation, sometimes you would move further away. Yeah, but- exactly. Like Tom's been doing this whole episode. Right. He doesn't <laughs> sit still for one second. I never sit still. He's Go like on. on a unicycle. Oh, the chair is creaking, creaking. <laughs> as long as you're not on a ping pong stick, that's all we care about. <laughs> ping pong stick. Yes. Graham. Yes. <laughs> so, so these. What? These deep fakes, they may become, Jeez. you know, the new ransomware of tomorrow, which is very yeah. scary for a lot of us. And we've been talking about it for a while, but now we're seeing examples of it. According to MIT, these are the things that you want to look for. We've talked about this before, but it's worth just going through really quickly. So you want to look at cheeks and foreheads. The wrinkles in these areas are oh. often non-existent. So yay for wrinklies and screw poor plastic surgery people. <laughs> are we back to Graham's story? Oh, my goodness. God, I'm not even, I'm ignoring that. Um, So shadows in the areas around the eyes, nose, and open mouth, shadows would uh, often be poorly formed. Glasses, so the position and angle of any lighting glare in the lenses, right, should shift correctly as the head moves. No one's going to do this. Yes, they will. They're going to have to, because there's no technology at the moment that we can really rely on. I've got another answer. I've got another answer, right? (sighs) Deep fakes are clearly going to become a bigger and bigger problem, which means we should stop trusting people that we communicate with via computers. We should yes, so don't everyth- listen to a word that we say, Get listeners. back in the office. <laughs> Everything, Get back in the office. Yes, like Jacob Rees-Mogg would recommend. Uh, I think you, we have to start having face-to-face meetings again. And even then, you can't be sure if they're not a hologram. So carry a baguette <laughs> with you. Holograph. <laughs> carry a baguette and whack them. So you check that they're solid as well. That is, for now the best way to conduct any important I See, I hate this because I actually don't really like looking at people very much, right? <laughs> like, and I They don't hate, like looking at you either, Carol. I have a very old television and part of my love for my old television is not high def. So I don't have to look at people's pores, you know, or, or war paint on like US newscasters. And now I've got to study their faces just to make sure they're not lying to me and they're full of shit. Anyway, so deep fakes, they're oh. coming. Cybersecurity continues to be a hot topic. It's relevant for all of us, no matter what field we are in. 
And the Cybersecurity Inside podcast is a fantastic resource to stay up to date on the latest news and trends, whether you're a security expert or just want to know more about the subject. The Cybersecurity Inside podcast is hosted by Tom Garrison and Camille Moorhart, and they and industry guests make it easy to understand and learn more about today's most important security topics. Recent episodes have included the ethics of AI and machine consciousness, where we're headed with the cloud, how small businesses can get access to cybersecurity resources, and so much more. Every episode, you will walk away smarter about cybersecurity and have fun while you're at it. So, what are you waiting for? Check out cybersecurityinside.com slash smashing to listen to the latest episode. That's cybersecurityinside.com slash smashing or search for Cybersecurity Inside wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to them for supporting the show. October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and Bitwarden would like to remind everyone about key actions that the U.S. Federal Agency for Cybersecurity recommends that you take. Number one, use strong passwords. Bitwarden can generate and store strong passwords for you. And two, enable multi-factor authentication on all your accounts, including your password manager. And of course, it's recommended that you keep your software up to date and take steps to recognize and report phishing. Bitwarden supports security for all with fully featured free accounts available to everyone. This Cybersecurity Awareness Month, protect yourself and help protect loved ones by educating them on password security and starting up a free Bitwarden account today at bitwarden.com forward slash smashing. That's bitwarden.com forward slash smashing. And thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring the show. Collide sends employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Linux, Mac, and Windows devices right inside Slack. Collide is perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to get there by locking down devices to the point where they become unusable. So instead of frustrating your employees, Collide educates them about security and device management while directing them to fix important problems. Sign up today by visiting smashingsecurity.com slash collide. That's smashingsecurity.com slash K-O-L-I-D-E. Enter your email when prompted and you will receive a free Collide goodie bag after your trial activates. You can try Collide with all of its features on an unlimited number of devices for free, no credit card required. Try it out at smashingsecurity.com slash collide. That's smashingsecurity.com slash K-O-L-I-D-E. And thanks to Collide for supporting the show. And welcome back. And you join us at our favorite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something like. It could be a funny story, a book, a TV show, a record, a movie, a podcast, a website, an app, whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security-related. My Pick of the Week this week is the joy of sets. Of what? Um, the joy <laughs> of sets. Are you familiar with this? Did you design this entire show for Tom Langford? So... <laughs> Yes, I, I did actually. You did. So the joy- really, oh, Tom, be be honoured because you didn't think about me or what I think oh, about any of Carol, this. Oh, you may have misheard me. I said sets, S E T, like badger sets. Not quite badger sets, okay. as in 
the TV television sets because the joy of sets, link in the show notes, is an archive the BBC have put together of empty, over more, more than 100 empty sets from different shows which they've had over the years. There's no actors getting in the way. It's just the beautiful set of, for instance, The Liberator from Blake Seven. Uh, I've just opened that porridge. one, yep. and there's seven people in it. Oh, are there? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you see? But I, you're right. They're virtually all, every other one is virtually empty. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, I, and so that, it's kind of curious, and it's, it's a wonderful sort of memento oh, of these things. And you know how you can use these, Tom, don't you? Because you love a green screen. Yeah. You could put yourself on the multicolored swap shop in place of Noel Edmonds, um, Top of the Pops, Steptoe and Son, any of these things, 40 Towers. Anyway, I thought it's marvelous. I like it very much. It's brilliant. I love it. The joy of sets. You see, I didn't grow up here. So a lot of these shows were before my time. It's very nostalgic. But if you you like old TV shows, Yes, Minister. Grain chill, only fools and horses. You're going to like the joy of sex. Good life. Oh, Tom. Barbara. Oh, Tom. Oh, Tom. She's so sexy. Yes. Wasn't she, eh? Yeah, let's objectify them now. Yeah. (laughs) Right, okay. And that is why it is my pick of the week. Tom, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is the Steam Deck. What's that? So there was a company. It was. It came back in 1996 called Valve. Valve Software. Oh yeah. And yeah. they produced the uh, series of games called Half Life. Uh, initially mm-hmm. based on the Quake engine, wildly successful games. They've spawned multiple sequels, um, huge amounts of community love, etc. Valve evolved from just uh, a software company into a hardware company, into a services company. They launched, I think it was in 2002, 2003, something like that. They launched mm-hmm. the thing called Steam, which is a uh, a gaming platform where you you yeah. buy your games online, you store them in their library or your library. Um, you have the software on your computer, and you can download and delete and upload. And it was it creates uh, you know you, you it will store all of your high scores, and it's where you download your patches. And it's it's a, a very uh, community based. It's great. It's fantastic. Hmm. Primarily for uh, Windows PC, but there is uh, some some support for Mac uh, games on there. So I'm I'm a, a a gamer from the days of yore, from the '90s. So I cut my teeth on Doom and Doom Two and Quake, etc. Uh, had the regular LAN parties, and I like to. Um, I, I used to go to Steam and you know download some old games that I used to like. Um, there are plenty of new stuff there as well. The problem being, I, since I'm a, an Apple person all round, I was quite limited to what I could actually uh, buy and play until the Steam Deck came along. Now, the Steam Deck is like a, a handheld console, slightly larger than the uh, Nintendo Switch. So a big screen in the middle with sort of you know connected joy pads on the side. It's effectively a um, a self-contained battery-powered computer. It runs SteamOS, which is a form of Linux, uh, an AMD uh, processor, uh, Wi-Fi, etc., etc., and it connects directly to Steam, and you can download 
virtually, I think it's something like 90 plus percent of Steam's catalogue of games and run them all from a battery powered handheld or you plug in a little USB-C hub and uh, you put it up onto your TV or your screen and run off a Bluetooth uh, controller or even, if you're like me, an old school with Hmm. Quake and stuff like that, a keyboard and mouse. And yep. And to top it all, you can also go into desktop mode and you've got a standard Linux desktop, which you can then download and run all the productivity tools. So if you're out and about and then suddenly you're in a pinch and you need to make a Teams call or jump onto the internet for something, you can still do that. The, um, the, the, there's... Um, trackpads on either side that you can use as a mouse if you need there's an on-screen keyboard it's fabulous i've had it about four days and i love it i love it <laughs> you love a gadget i love a gadget you? i've downloaded the entire mist series Do you remember that game mist oh yeah Mist. Yeah, the yeah, entire yeah, yeah. mist series i've got uh quake quake 2 quake 3 arena quake champions it's uh, I got a whole bunch of you know various other games on there playing around with it, and it's just so convenient. I don't have to buy a dirt right big gaming machine. Um, it's just uh, it's brilliant. I check it out. The, the link is in the show notes. I check it out. Wonderful piece of kit. Tom, I've got a question for you. When do you find time to masturbate? I know. I know. Oh well, my god! <laughs> well, that's when the web browser comes in handy on it. Can we? <laughs> this sounds like a very impressive game. So it plays the games well. It doesn't crash and things. It's very reliable. It's not cheap. There's, there's, it's, a, it's about five hundred quid for the top end one. Yeah, three fifty for the low end. Yeah, but I guess the thing is that this, this means all of your games are now portable, and it's more portable exactly. than a laptop, for instance, and it's more set up for gaming. It's perfect for somebody who's either trying to relive their youth a little bit you know, and can access all these old games or somebody who's just a casual every now and then gamer doesn't want to invest in a, you know, a big old gaming rig or anything like that. Are there free games on Steam as well? Because I am a cheapskate, you see. Having spent £400 or whatever it is on this device, I, I probably wouldn't be happy actually spending any money on the games. There's loads of free games. Mm-hmm. Um, and also some of the older games, the ones that you and I grew up with, are mm-hmm. like three quid, four quid. So, Tom, you've had this four days. That's what makes me a little bit nervous because I think you do get very excited about your you technology. You have to buy it right now. Just wait well, no, a few I'm not, months. I, well, exactly. That's what I want. I want Tom to come back in a few months Absolutely. and tell us if he's still playing on this or whether the, what are they, the joystick knob, whether that's... Yeah, whether, whether the knob's fallen off. Whether your knob's fallen off, that kind of yeah. thing. That's what oh I want. Yeah, God, this episode is excruciating. Carol, what's your pick of the week? Um... So my pick of the week is a TV show, a series called Am I Being Unreasonable? And it's flipping great. It stars Daisy Mae Cooper. She sports this massive shirling taupe coat and these 70s shades and these bedazzled bootcut leggings. And she wanders around this English village uh, very grumpily and friendless. That's how it opens up. Graham, I got you to watch it. And I think you hoovered up the whole series as well. You did. Yeah, I wasn't sure after the first episode. I was a bit confused as to what was going on. Because it is very twisty-turny. Very twisty-turny. Mm-hmm. But by about episode 
three, I was hooked. And then episode four, oh my goodness, the whole world has changed. What, what is, is going on? on now? This is on BBC iPlayer. Am I being yeah. unreasonable? And it's very good. What's kind mm. of cool about it is you kind of watch the first episode and you think you get the gist. You get huh. a few little glimpses of what you think might be going on. And like for people like me, you're like, oh, I get it, yep. I get it. I yep. know what's happening. Da da yep. da 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 da. Yep. Got it, got it, got it. And she totally just veers. Yes. You'll get it categorically wrong, right? Multiple uh, times. You'll have <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> yes. um, and it's a bit like Murder She Wrote, where it's really not it's obvious. It's nothing like, like no way Murder She Wrote. Don't listen to it. It's nothing like Murder She Wrote. I'll tell you what it's a little bit like. It's a little... Columbo. It's a little... No. It's a little bit like Fleabag in terms of... Yeah, it is. It's funny, but there's also a lot of darkness there. Yeah. And... That's what I, that's what I compare it to as well. Like, it's a comedy thriller, they call it, but it is noirs. Yeah. Interestingly, The Guardian only gave it three out of five stars, saying it doesn't cohere. And I don't agree. I thought it was really fresh, very funny, quirky, surprising, um, and very charming. I was, I was like, again, BBC, very cute. So The one I was really impressed with was an actor mm-hmm. called Lenny Rush, who plays her son. And mm-hmm. I thought he stole just about every scene he was in. Because usually when I see a child in a TV show, I kind of think, oh, God, they're going to be painful. He was so funny. No, totally agree. But I think it's the relationship between yes. the three, you know, between all of the yes. actors that really makes yeah. it. Because they all are strong. Yeah. But somehow it's the, there's like a little fizz magic between all of them yeah. and how it works. Because yeah. she's like, she's a, she's, you know, she's a tall lady, yes. right? Yeah. Daisy Mae Cooper is, no, you know, she's no wallflower. Um, and her son is, uh, of course, very small. So there's a kind of comedy and effect of yeah. that. But then there's a, such a tenderness in the yes. relationship. It's great. I'm going to look at that tonight, I think. I'd recommend it as well. I'd recommend, if you're not sure after the first episode, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, if you're exactly like yes. Graham. If you think you've worked it out, <laughs> think, oh, I know what this is. It's just younger and better yeah. looking. <laughs> it will be rewarding, I think. That's called Am I Being Unreasonable on BBC iClear? It may be other places as well. I don't know. Um, and that is my pick of the week. Great pick of the week, Carol. And that just about wraps up the show for this week. Tom, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online and find out what you're up to. What's the best way for folks to do that? Oh, I'm on Twitter at, uh, at Tom Langford. That's uh, Tom with an H. And uh, you can also get me on my uh, other day job as uh, podcast host of Host Unknown at podcast.hostunknown.tv. Terrific. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G, Twitter and last have a G. And we also have a Smash Insecurity subreddit. And don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode. Please follow Smash Insecurity in your favourite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And deep, deep thank yous to our episode sponsors, Bitwarden, Collide and the Cybersecurity Inside podcast. And of course, to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to them all that this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship info, guest list and the entire back catalogue of more than 290 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Ta-ta. Locally. Yep, same here. I am recording locally. I can see the little red line going across. 
What do you use? Audio Hijack? Uh, Garage Band. Oh, hello. Who's, who the fuck is that? That was me. Who's the amateur on the Who's show? Who's the amateur on the show? The thing is, it, it comes up on my phone, on my, on my, um... Have you heard of this feature called Do Not Disturb? Yeah, all right, all right, chill, chill. Um, it comes up on my bloody, bloody, um, oh, there it is. Um, God, I can't remember This is now. what happens when you invite geriatrics on the show. Computer, that's it. <laughs> oh, that was the word. The word was computer. We were all wondering. Bloody hell. <laughs> It's what happens when I when I get invited on other people's podcasts. I start to lose all my all my wordy things. Gorgeous listeners, and this is how we are starting this show. So wish us luck. 